0: Um, That's the worst way to get banter (laughs) Seriously,
1: you killed (laughs) the banter vibe If you guys want to be spontaneous, now would be the time to do it
0: (laughs) We'll get there Alright, shall
1: we start? Okay Hello and welcome to Jesuitical A new podcast from the incidentally young Occasionally hip and blissfully lay editors of American Media That lay part means we aren't Jesuits But we work with them Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news Often over drinks I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hey, everyone. And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing?
0: Freaking wonderful. <laughs> pretty
1: good. Pretty good. <laughs> happy Feast Week.
0: Happy Feast oh, Week. yeah. Yes. Happy Feast
1: Week. It's like Shark Week for Jesuits, we have but better.
0: two <laughs> big Jesuit feast days this week, which yeah. was first was Kicked Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry oh, Potter. shoot. No, I always get those two confused. Uh, St. Ignatius was on Monday.
1: Yep. And today, is, or yesterday, was
0: Peter... No, that's well Wednesday. Yeah, when we're recording this is Saint Peter Favre Faber Favre, Favre. Saint Peter Faber, who like Brett Favre, gets his name mispronounced quite a bit.
1: (laughs) Nice. Um, What did we do to celebrate here at the office?
0: Well, we had we had mass. Father Matt Malone said mass for us at Mm -hmm. the uh, Jesuit community, and then uh, and then we feasted. Then we feasted on some sandwich platters.
1: I always, it amuses me that we uh, don't get Saint Ignatius Day off, but we get Saint Patrick's Day off.
2: <laughs> I know every every year I
1: wonder the same thing. Well, not Saint, that I
0: complain about Saint getting Ignatius any Day, day off, is but... good for business, though, right? You know? That's
1: true. <laughs> if we have to be here to make the memes,
0: yep. Who would make the <laughs> memes if we were off playing?
1: <laughs> Very true. All right, Zach, uh, what's on tap?
0: So today we had a cocktail made by our guest. Uh, I actually missed. What the name of this was?
1: It well, okay, so, so it's normally technically it's called a patty melt. A patty melt, but that's when it has an Irish whiskey in it. We only had uh, bourbon, so we are calling it a maker's melt.
0: Okay, so our guest Kara Eschbach, uh does cocktails in her free time, and so she uh, kindly offered to treat us to one. So a maker's melt, which was delicious. You can find the a version for this recipe and the Death and Company cocktail book which is a world famous cocktail bar here in new york and
1: and in case you feel like you're in a time warp (laughs) we (laughs) we recorded the interview before we recorded the introduction
2: thank you
0: for explaining that
2: um she mixes drinks on her free time but professionally she's the editor-in-chief of verily magazine Um, so we'll be talking to her about how she and the other people in her company work to empower Uh, women and sort of combat the whole photoshopping that we see in a lot of other women's magazines. I read a lot of women's magazines growing up. um, 17, Teen Mm. Vogue. um, And I always wanted to be like all of the uh, teenage pop stars that I saw in there. Yeah.
1: What about you, Ashley? I was not really. I just like never really bought into celebrities. Um, That's smart. I was more. I was kind of a. Tomboy, nature child. Disney
0: Disney princesses are their (laughs) own celebrity. (laughs) That's
1: That's... true. I did want to be Mulan.
0: (laughs) All right.
2: (laughs) What about you, Zach? Did you read any teen women's magazines growing up?
0: Maybe not teens. I mean, every guy has read Cosmo. I don't care what (laughs) they're... They would totally lie to you. Really? Is this like a known thing? Oh, yeah. 100%. (laughs)
2: So whenever I see you with your copy of The New Yorker, you actually have Cosmo hidden inside? Exactly.
0: I actually Ah. have like a magazine cover that I ordered on Amazon that's just The New Yorker.
1: Smart. (laughs) Okay. We have a lot of news to get to. So I'm going to move us to Signs of the Times, (laughs) the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you don't have to. Wow.
0: There are some great ones. There are some
1: pretty good ones. So first, we've already said that this is uh, Feast Week. So Pope Francis celebrated the feast day with his fellow Jesuits. He uh, had lunch with Father General Arturo Sosa um, and other Jesuits at their headquarters in Rome. And he also tweeted, uh, like St. Ignatius of Loyola, let us be won over by the Lord Jesus and led by him. Place ourselves at the service of others. Uh, In less inspiring news.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the mooch is out.
1: (laughs) Oh Lord!
0: Anthony Scaramucci did not last as long at the White House as my homecoming date and I did <laughs> in high school.
2: <laughs> what was it? Ten days?
0: Ten days was all it took, and that's oh, a lie. It, he did last longer than me in my homecoming date.
1: <laughs> what, what do you mean, like as a couple? Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. On the dance floor. I was, was, I know, was, I, I was evidently, like... evidently
0: I'm a great date, but not a great boyfriend. <laughs> uh, I've heard that before. Um, anyway, we're bringing this up because. Trump has a lot of Catholics working for him and a lot of Catholics formerly working for him. (laughs) Um, So Sean Spicer. Bye, spicy. He's gone. He's Catholic though, fun fact. (laughs) Mooch (laughs) was offended by uh, leaks Mm -hmm. as a Roman Catholic, not by the colorful language that he used in that New Yorker interview. Mm -hmm. He is also gone after 10 days and Trump appointed uh, Secretary John Kelly Wait, no, I wonder. If not he's... secretary general. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Secretary Both. general. You can be two of those things. <laughs> secretary general John Kelly, who evidently did the sign of the cross shortly after being confirmed in, so we can assume that he is also Catholic.
1: Yes. <laughs> so some so, are up, some are down. Yep.
0: Yeah. Later we'll go over your answers to the question: What Catholics should Trump hire and fire next? Stay tuned. <laughs>
2: <We'll go. laughs> All right. What's next? We'll go. Um, so on to some slightly less scary Catholic stuff. Unless you're an arachnophobe, then. This can terrify you. So, a giant robotic spider named Kumo was hanging outside of Notre Dame <laughs> Cathedral in Ottawa. It has Ottawa. a name, yeah, Kumo, and it was a part a theater, a street theater company created it as part of Canada's uh, 150th birthday celebration. Mm. And um, the Archbishop of Ottawa was shocked that people were calling this demonic, disgusting, even shameful. But I mean, come on, like, what did, did did he expect that people would really like go into mass and be okay with a robotic spider hanging outside? Yeah. It's not- giant.
1: It's huge. It's
3: huge. huge. Okay.
1: It is but huge. it was it was only there for like this one display moment apparently. So the the cathedral is across uh, the street from a museum where they have another spider and so they wanted like this they wanted Kumo like a competition. <laughs> to walk over and meet the other Wait, spider. wait, wait, wait. It moved from... Yeah, no. So the whole point was it was placed on top of the cathedral, oh, and then they used cranes to move it over to meet this other spider whose <laughs> name was... Let me... Let me... I have this... Momon. Maman, okay. And this Kumo was gonna—he was lifted from the cathedral and was gonna go say hi to Maman as part of I mean, celebrating Canada 150. <laughs> I has, don't see what you guys don't understand.
2: This has all
0: the drama of a Pixar short.
2: <laughs> I mean, after hearing Ashley described it, describe it—it it does sound kind of cute. Um, but yeah. still,
1: I can see why people are terrified of this. this is, it just, is huge. Yeah. Uh, and other horrifying church news, Zach.
0: Dun, dun, dun. So, uh, there's a priest in Belfast, Northern Ireland, who is horrified that there's a film festival showing the exorcist in an abandoned church next month. That
1: sounds awesome. That does sound awesome. I would awesome. love to see the exorcist in abandoned. Sounds terrifying,
0: yeah. but he finds it offensive and a little bit, you know, don't mess around with this kind of stuff.
1: I mean, I assume you're on his side, right, Zach?
0: Actually, no. <laughs> what, here, what? So, here's the thing. This is about- This is shocking. Uh, so- I have some nuance to my, you know. One, don't mess with actual demons. Don't play with Ouija boards. Don't summon them. But you could watch a depiction, particularly about Jesuits exercising demons. Yeah, which The Exorcist, which is based on William Peter Blatty's novel, is about. Yeah, the it's it's Jesuit, Jesuit exercising who... demons. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're cool with this.
0: Well, I brought this story because my favorite thing is that the church is also uses an <laughs> Italian restaurant, which the priest has no problem with. <laughs>
1: It's going to be used as an Italian
0: restaurant. Right, which is just, you know, I don't know, just kind of funny.
1: <laughs> in other news from the Isles, the British Isles, um, seminarians in Wales.
0: <laughs> seminarians and Wales?
1: <laughs> in Wales. <laughs> Got it. Welsh seminarians. Uh, okay. Uh, we're out celebrating a oh. ordination. They went to a bar and were kicked out. Or almost kicked out because the owners thought that they were just a uh, bachelor party in costume. <laughs> oh, okay. But the best part is that, according to the assistant manager, um, quote, the staff thought that they were a stag. We do not. <laughs> we do have quite a few issues on the weekends with parties wearing fancy dress, so it is our policy to turn them away.
0: <laughs> don't know what stag is. Don't know what fancy dress is.
1: Fancy dress. Oh, lord. Okay. Um, but to be fair, they were wearing cassocks, so they were dresses, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: In other news of things people are or are not wearing, nice. uh, <laughs> in South Korea, uh, a nude mansion was just reopened in a very Catholic part of the country, and the local residents are very upset. Uh, so this is a mansion where people can go and do outdoor activities like hiking and playing tennis um, in the nude. Uh, and... Area Catholics are very upset. One said, whenever I go to pick herbs or hike the back mountains, I can see the nudists at their mansion. I can't just close my eyes whenever I go to the mountains, can I? <laughs> no, because then you would fall off the mountain. It's true. <laughs> so he has a point.
0: No, but, you know, the Catholics of Florida didn't protest when they opened up the nude mansion ride at Disney. is <laughs>
2: You said that with such a straight face. I was too. like, "What? I'm like a nude mansion in Florida."
0: Someone's supposed to say, "No, it's the haunted mansion," and then I'm going to say, "That's why I was kicked off the ride."
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh. No, but as someone who uh, refused to get curtains for a good four years while living in New York, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand in solidarity with my nudist brothers and sisters in South Korea.
0: Okay. <laughs> On to the next one.
1: Yes, finally. More
0: Canadian news.
1: More Canadian news. A nun officiated at a Catholic wedding in Canada. I did not know this was possible, but she had the permission from her local bishop and the Vatican to preside at a wedding.
0: What?
1: Wow. I know. And so we are all dusting up our, <laughs> our canon law books. <laughs> our canon law books. Because according to Canon 1112, quote Where there is a lack of priests and deacons, the diocesan bishop can delegate laypersons to assist at marriages.
0: People were very excited about this news. And the sister, Sister Pirette, who officiated at the wedding, said it's a beautiful step forward for women in the church. Um,
1: It's interesting because on the one hand, I can imagine being a woman sitting at this wedding and just being very affected by the fact that there was a woman presiding over it. But this is also a side effect of a very severe priest shortage in this uh, part of Canada.
0: Right. Um, so the the cynical view is that, you know, women and lady in general are just seen as backups yeah, for exactly. uh, priest.
1: Yeah. So if you were living in New York and you wanted to have a woman presiding at your wedding, canon law does not permit that because there are plenty of priests in the area. But as our editor-in-chief, Matt Malone, pointed out, he, as part of his Jesuit education, was in Guyana. And he said this is pretty much the norm in Guyana because there are huge swaths of the country where there are no priests. And there are always women pastoral associates presiding at weddings. So he said this is really the, the first world catching up with the third world in this regard.
2: So, we're excited to welcome Kara Eschback, founder, CEO, and editor in chief of Verily Magazine. Welcome to Jesuitical. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: And thank you for playing bartender. This is amazing. Yeah, really
2: right. Good. I can't believe we already put you to work. Like, the interview hasn't even started, and you're here making us drinks. Love having a little bit of hospitality.
3: <laughs>
2: yes. Okay. So what is Verily Magazine? Can you tell us how you came up, how you decided to start this?
3: Yeah. So we are a women's fashion and lifestyle website. Uh, We originally conceived it as a print magazine. So some people who knew us back when we started did actually have a physical print edition. But um, we got started because my co-founder, Janet, had actually worked at Elle Magazine um, when she was in college. And while she was there, sort of had a bit of Of a conversion, I think both spiritually and even just about the kind of content that was being produced and really saw that a lot of the issues that she sort of had around self-image and, you know, the way that women treat one another were directly the result of the kind of content that women's magazines produce. And so she didn't want to be a part of that. And she also realized that why can't there be a magazine out there that actually produces content that's good for women and doesn't make you feel terrible about yourself? (laughs) I mean, rocket science, right? Um, And so... She was actually, you know, working at another job and just kind of talking about this idea one day over brunch and at the time I had been working on Wall Street, but I was a magazine junkie growing up. And so when Janet brought up this idea, it really just like spoke to my heart of like, yes, this is something that we need to do for women. There needs to be a different voice out in the world. And you know, we're young women in our 20s and we seem to be the ones who kind of have a vision to do it. Why not try?
1: Yeah, if you go to your website, verilymag.com right now, there's a section beyond your summer body, which instead of like talking about how to get a six pack abs for the summer and your perfect beach bod, it talks about like having a body positive summer and accepting your body. And that's mm, really unique. I-, I did some comparison um I just, you know, went to Cosmo and Glamour and other magazines just so I could, like, see what's out there right now because I don't really read women's magazine. And it's, it's very refreshing. <laughs> Thank you. So what's,
0: like, the type of, like, name an article that maybe Cosmo or Elle would write and then how would Verily cover that same topic but th- in a different way?
3: Maybe Relationships is a good one where they'd say, you know— I, <laughs> 10 10 sex tips or something right you know we would have 10 ways to grow an intimacy with your partner and everything that we would talk about is really based on research um particularly we lean on a couple of of key groups in particular this guy called Dr John Gottman who he did all this research when he was at Stanford and he had this thing called the love lab where he can he can predict with about 90% uh, accuracy, whether or not a couple that is engaged will stay married mm-hmm. based on the interactions that they have. So we use that kind of research to actually talk about lifelong relationships and the little things that you can do in very practical ways to build a healthy relationship with one another um, rather than focusing on you know physical things that are really mostly fleeting and most of the time not even true.
1: You were a magazine junkie growing up. How did that affect you? Yeah, your self-image
3: or your approach to relationships. Yeah, you know, I think my my story is probably similar to a lot of young women's stories. I think um, I was very lucky that I was a college athlete. And so I had like a little bit of a appreciation for the fact that I knew that my body could do great things beyond just the way that I looked, but at the same time had all of these negative stereotypes about it as well. It's like, oh, gosh, my shoulders are so broad. And so, you know, I always felt really unfeminine and really unattractive and kind of, you um, saw that when I went to college was the first time I'd gotten a lot of male attention. And really, I mean, I kind of went down the typical path of engaging in the hookup culture and all of those things that go with it. And it was really through that experience, realizing all of these things that I've been told in women's magazines would make me happy have actually made me miserable, You know, I feel terrible about myself. I never, I never feel empowered by dressing sexy. I feel like an object. I never feel empowered in my relationships. I feel like I'm being used. And that kind of turned my whole worldview on its head and was like, if all of this stuff is a lie, like, where is the truth? And I mean, that was part of me kind of reseeking my faith, but also just realizing there is actual research out there that supports healthy lifelong relationships. And in general, none of it are things that would be what is recommended in most women's magazines for relationships. Yeah. So
0: so it sounds like this sort of awareness was ra- very much wrapped it up in your faith. Does How does that influence the magazine now or did it influence the founding of it? It's not a Catholic magazine, right?
3: Right, yeah, we're, we're totally secular. I think um, as everybody who, I think if you work in journalism and if you have an opinion, like your worldview is of course coming through on that. You know, I think if you read a women's magazine, it's very clear that they have a worldview about sexuality and what that means, and I think for us, um, the fact that I am Catholic, what it has given me is an appreciation for just the dignity of women and kind of what kind of inherent value do people have, and therefore how should we be treating people? Which I don't think you need to have a faith background to say, yeah, I think that there's a different vision for the way that we treat people and. How we think about the way we treat women in media, in our in our interpersonal relationships, Um, and for us, like we were always very clear from the get go that like we didn't want it to be a Catholic magazine. I think you know we originally thought it was going to be like a fashion magazine, and I think like (laughs) Catholic fashion is kind of like what is what does that even mean? Like that's a that's a ridiculous (laughs) term. Um, And I think that there's like as a Catholic, I would want to women to dress in a way that like is uh, worthy of their dignity but like that doesn't mean you have to dress in a certain style or anything like that right I think um, a lot of those kind of things become more of a way to judge other people when it's like oh well are you being like Catholic enough the way you do something we just didn't want to be involved in any of that um, and we just thought it would be much more approachable and fresh to be like what does it look like to be like a woman who values herself and doesn't give in to a lot of these other narratives and one of the ways that you empower women, you guys have a very specific Photoshopping policy, right? You guys don't Photoshop at all. Can you talk a little bit about why you chose to do that? Yeah, so what actually happened is that we, um, we didn't think at first, it wasn't like, oh, this would be a good PR policy. It was much more that we started doing um, photo shoots and getting photographs back from photographers, because usually a photographer will do some editing to a photo to give you kind of like what their artistic vision is. And we are coming back with it and saying, this like girl looks kind of weird. Like she doesn't really look like that and her skin looks very funny. And so we were having this conversation with editors of uh, photo editors, basically saying like, we just, that's not the look that we want. And so we started having just a blanket policy of, you know, do not change the face or body structure, you know, don't take off freckles or moles. Um, I would say like we obviously use Photoshop to correct the lighting when you have a photo that's too dark. Like you need to make it look the best that it can be because a 2D photo is never going to look the way that it looks 3D in real life. And so there is some editing that is done. But we're very careful about like the actual person looks like the way that they look. And I think for us, what we realized, and Janet and, and I, was that. You start to just create a template in your mind of what someone is supposed to look like and what you're supposed to be striving for when you see images over and over again. And so our thesis was that like if we could put forward images of women who just looked beautiful and then maybe you on the second level are like, oh, and she's not the same typical tall, thin, whatever that you see everywhere – then maybe you might say, oh, she kind of looks like me. And like, maybe over time, that would mean that somebody would kind of internalize that. Well, maybe I'm beautiful too. Cause I'm recognizing the beauty in other women. Um, I think we're much more apt to see the beauty in our friends than mm-hmm. we are in ourselves. And in some ways it's kind of allowing women to see their own beauty through somebody else by allowing those, you know, quote unquote flaws or differences right. to be present in the images. Yeah. I love that because
2: I was also a magazine junkie growing up. Um, but I didn't realize how I internalized the way all of these and mostly white models look. You know, I'm like a woman mm. of color. I have this really big hair. Um, then I got to college and I was like, I don't look like, you know, um, Giselle Bundchen or <laughs> all of these super skinny women in these magazines. And I was just like, wait a minute. This is like really getting to me on a Mm-mm. deep level. And as a 27 year old, I still have to deconstruct this. So to see magazines that are committed to this, I'm like, it is really great and refreshing to see, you know, quote unquote, real women with their real flaws, you know?
0: What's one of the, your favorite things, articles or topics that Verily's taken on?
3: I think the things that I'm most proud of are our relationship content and my um, my editor Monica Marshall. She got married last year, so I have to think about her last name. Um, <laughs> she she's really constructed a, a department that like speaks true to the the human heart and kind of what we really desire, and speaking to like how do we really approach relationships and dating and marriage in a healthy way um but i think in our in our culture department the way we've been able to articulate just how much objectification of women happens and a lot of times you know we're one of the few who are saying that like pornography is destroying marriages pornography is like destroying the way that women and men interact with one another um, and kind of calling that out when it is comes up because i think far too often people are very blesse about it Um, And just the opportunity to be a different voice, because we didn't anticipate this five years ago, but I think we were kind of on the leading edge of a conversation about feminism that has just becomes more and more relevant. And I think it's really important to have a view of who women are that is in some ways counter to the narrative that is being told in other places. Just because Selena Gomez is standing up there naked and saying that she feels empowered by being naked doesn't mean that that's necessarily what empowerment means. Um, and here's why. And we can you know think through that in a very philosophical way, not in a moralizing way. Does Verily have a, a position on dating apps? or that's We're pro-dating apps. You no, pro dating. Like, we've actually, we, one of my, speaking of favorite articles, one of my favorite articles we did recently was one of our, or two of our editors went on to Bumble as... Um, I think the what name they made up, but basically they only use Pride and Prejudice quotes to talk oh, to guys. That is great. Which and just kind of like you know the the blow by blow of it, and it, it was clearly funny and like really great to see. Just some guys totally got it. Like one guy figured out very quickly mm-hmm. the, what they were doing and responded in kind, and just you know that's a keeper. Yeah, it was just like you know. I, I think the thing that we can add to that conversation is like I think we can stop wringing our hands over this stuff. Like you know, there's there's everybody would love to meet someone in person. It's hard to do that. Why not use the tools that are available to you? Use it wisely. Don't get so down about it. Like dating should be fun. Mm -hmm. And I think we sometimes can forget that when we're like trying to find our soulmate or something. Just like, having a good time so yeah go, and also go bumble
2: it. is pretty cool because it's like the women the women have to make the first contact like you don't have to worry about you know as women often we, we have to deal with a lot of creepers on dating apps but, <laughs> but bumble really just like puts it in <laughs> our hands
1: so what would um a guy get out of going to verilymag.com
0: <laughs> i didn't i i wanted to ask that but also didn't want to ask that to make it about I got you, me Zach. thanks ashley <laughs>
3: if it makes you feel better my boyfriend reads like almost all of our relationship content if it's not like super specific for a woman he's actually you, like you guys have really good advice but about like also relationships do you have men giving we do we advice? do we also yeah we have a gentleman speak column yeah. which I think if you're
0: looking for writers just uh we,
3: we always take pitches okay you know, that's good to know are you calling yourself a gentleman
0: <laughs> fair enough finally <laughs>
3: Oh, please. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, um, yeah, it's funny because I'll often have like guy friends of friends who will say, oh yeah, you know, my my female friend sent me an article. So like I read it once or maybe twice. I'm like, yeah, you, you're one of our readers. It's fine. You can admit it. It's okay. <laughs> we have guys tell us that they read because they want to know what the kind of woman who reads verily is thinking or like wondering about and thinking about. And I think that that's, True for men too, where right? I think that there's something about media that is normalizing, right? Like, as a kid, I read women's magazines because I wanted to know, like, what was normal. Like, you know, my mom told me what to do about something, but, like, my mom didn't know how to help me with my hair. She was like, I don't know. So, you know, you're just like, they have, they're experts, they have these opinions, and there's something that, like, well, when they say it, that's generally, like, what's normal. And in some ways, I think that that's a service that we do is kind of saying, you know, there's another opinion out here that is also totally normal. Um, So I think having a place where people can go and be like, Oh, no, these like more, you know, desires of my heart, I'm being validated somewhere. Um, I think that's probably also true for men to say like, Oh, there are women out there who like, want a normal dude who like want a guy that treats them well. And there are lots of guys who I've talked to, um, who doubt that women really want that they really think that women care all about like, Oh, it's all about the job I have, like, they just they, like they probably would be fine with you having a less cool job if you treated them like a lady. Like, yeah. it's not rocket science.
0: <laughs> yeah the the whole like having a good job thing is just um, that's only as useful. Yeah, I, I'm gonna pitch you this. Would you would know, say that guy I who would, works at a nonprofit, non-profit journalism journal <laughs> That's right. I would also like to advocate for it's more important that you're interesting beyond the initial. Here, this is my boyfriend who does this.
1: Yeah, you can only listen to someone talk about finance for so many dates so many (laughs) Um, we're gonna wrap up shortly but first uh, we ask all of our guests uh, if they could canonize one person catholic or not living or dead fictional non-fictional can be a Jane Austen character (laughs) who would it be
3: I mean I wish I had known about the fictional character thing So I was like I I feel like I need to hedge on this like I don't really I don't even know real saints well enough to give an answer to that um (laughs) I think somebody who I would at least recommend that you read. I'll like hedge on my yeah. canonization <laughs> thing. Boo, but boo, know, know, go for I it. Know. Go for <laughs> it. Um, um, say, should definitely, I will canonize. Oh. I would can well, I love the the book A Canticle for Leibowitz. And there's a the priest at the very end of it whose name I can't remember was has this amazing um piece about basically like euthanasia. Um and it's amazing. So you should definitely read that book and like he would be my pick, but uh thinking of like a, a real person um and just thinking cause America being run by Jesuits uh I loved the book by Father Chizik, Have you mm-hmm. ever read that? Chizik
1: yeah um God in Russia
3: so not that one he okay. the me. other one he leadeth me is like my favorite spiritual reading I read that like once a year and he has this some amazing passages about his time when he's in solitary confinement that's just like so so great for spiritual reading so also that's that
0: great. one what do you say when you go on the Dominicans podcast
3: <laughs> I, I I would go back to my original <laughs> answer. Of, Canticle,
0: uh, for Canticle for Ligovitz. <laughs> yeah, that's uh,
2: <laughs> for And Kara, where can people find you?
3: Yeah, so everywhere on every like social media platform, we are at Verily Mag. V-E-R-I-L-Y-M-A-G. So that's VerilyMag.com, Instagram, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Verily Mag. that's where we are. Great. Awesome. Thank you so
1: much yeah, for joining
3: thank us. You. Thank yeah, you. thanks that's
2: for
1: having cool. me. Sofa in the footprints that you Now it's time for some listener feedback. First, our Twitter poll. We asked which Catholic the Trump administration should hire next and fire next. So as you can imagine, we've got some good answers. Um, So Holly said Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway are the ones to fire and replace with Stephen Colbert. Not that I think FC would accept. Yeah, I don't think he would either. I think he has way too much good material to work with.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steve
1: Bannon and Kellyanne are making his show a lot easier. Yeah.
0: I bet.
2: <laughs> um, then Lauren wrote in, no Catholic or anyone who believes in the Gospels should serve in this administration.
0: Fair. Okay. Uh, Christina wrote, also wrote, no Catholic should work for that bully. Mercy lacking. Totally embodiment of anti-Catholic values is D-Trump.
1: Uh, Ashley McKinless? M- <laughs> McCannless? I think it's pronounced McKinless. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Uh, she said, one, Sean Hannity for White House communications director. Two, Sean Hannity, three weeks later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're laughing at your own joke right now.
1: I know.
2: <laughs> I love that she introduced it, laughed at it, clapped at it.
0: <laughs> and Kieran had a similar st- style to this joke. He said, Chris Christie and wait for it. Chris Christie. Nice. And there's some great gifs to go along with that from both he and us.
1: (laughs) For sure. And then Celeste finally said, Joan of Arc, for both scenarios, she has the will and the moral conscience to live and die to save a corrupt government. Great answer, Celeste. That's a good one. Yeah,
0: We have a lot of fun on Twitter. So if you're not following us already, you totally should, at Jesuitical Show. And maybe you're off Twitter because... Most people are abandoning it, but it's a lot of fun. And so I recommend it. And you will also find out what the president is dictating before everyone else, because that's (laughs) how he communicates.
1: Yes. Um, All right. Some emails. Lou Mason, responding to our episode with Nick Rapatrizone about the keepers, um, said he actually signed a petition on this case today in which he attached a note, um, part of which said... Without the full light of day on this despicable part of our past, we allow a blessed heritage, love city, and the innocent descendants of holy souls to remain forever scandalized. Um, so he thanked the Jesuits for their paying attention to this issue. Um, I think a lot of Catholics are um, heartened by the fact that their fellow, their fellow Catholics in the media are paying attention to the keepers. So, Yeah, thanks, Lou.
0: Yeah, and we got... One more email from Pamela, who wrote in from the Rio Grande Valley, who said she was really desolated after the election in 2016, and as a result of that, she had started going to mass again, and she was, you know, really taken and, you know, really into a lot of stuff, um, sort of re getting into her faith, and as a part of that, she started wondering about Catholic podcast, and she said she spent months searching, months for something, <laughs> and eventually she came across us online and she wrote in to say, I don't have any Catholic friends, so it's nice to hear other perspectives, especially the consolations and desolations. God brought us together, digitally speaking. Pamela, we're glad that you found us, that God brought us together, and that you are now in this community. But to all you listeners, one of your friends could be in the middle of those months and months of searching. Mm-hmm. So cut, mm-hmm. give him a break and tell him about this podcast. That's
1: true. Yes, please.
2: No
0: one wants to be in the, in the depths of Google for months. <laughs> so help him out.
1: Speaking of consolations and desolations, it's time for the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God.
0: Ashley, what do you got this week?
1: Yeah. So this past weekend, I was at the Kent Ideas Festival. I was part of the America team that went there to get ideas about the kind of things we should be covering and get ideas about authors.
0: I have a lot of ideas. I don't know why you guys just (laughs) sit me down for a couple hours.
2: Zach, we wanted to give you a break because you're just doing so much.
1: Yeah. So, no, it was, I, uh, was a nerd, am a nerd in college. I just, I don't think I missed a class ever. Um, and this weekend was basically just like going to college lecture after college lecture, but like no test at the end. So I was just soaking it all in and it was really, um, a renewing experience for me. Um, I really, came into my faith in college when I had the chance to approach it from an intellectual angle. Uh, so this weekend kind of regrounded me in that, um, they weren't, there was actually surprisingly no mention of religion at this (laughs) conference of ideas, um, except to like make fun of people who have religious values um but it was still very enriching to like go into these lectures and be like okay so what's the catholic take on this uh so i i saw god again in the um in the ideas what about you zach
0: so i'm bringing a desolation this week uh and it's sort of related to some of my previous consolations i've talked about being welcomed into uh new families new communities. And this week I found myself really missing my family at home. Uh, one of the upsides of social media is that I can see all these like beautiful pictures and Snapchats of my new baby cousin. Um, the downside, I don't know if it's a dark side, but I'm super aware of what I'm missing out on. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful that I have young hip cousins who are great at documenting you know, life. And so I'm in on their snapchat um my dad just texted me so that's super cute um he's probably like why haven't you called (laughs) um but so my desolation this week is you know being aware of the relationship that i'm missing out on i think so social media induced fomo is yeah i'm really
1: jealous that you're still getting new cousins like cousins were a very big part of my life and the fact that you're still getting more of them i'm the second oldest uh, on
0: my yeah side, i was always on so, like the wow, younger
1: yeah. side of the cousins so like it's always been a mystery to like what it what it'd be like to be like the old cousin
0: i'm like number two of 30 or yeah. something like that
1: two of
2: 30 yeah, wow on, on, that's only on that's one a side big family yeah. that's awesome
0: my aunt just had her 12th mm. so yeah Congrats to her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. All right, Olga. So I've got a consolation this week. Um, I was up in Lake George, New York, with a bunch of college friends. We were celebrating our 10-year anniversary, friend Uh we, we all met in 2007 when we started at Fordham. So we decided to like do this trip and go up there together. We brought our significant others. Um, and we're all from the city. So nature is not something any of us did, or m- most of us didn't do growing up. So it was very nice we got up there. There was no Wi-Fi. There was very... Very few times was I able to even, like, check emails or even Slack. Um, but we were just really out there and completely disconnected from the city. Like, very much out of our comfort zone. We went hiking. And <laughs> we it, it was extremely empty. We were hiking. It was eight of us. And these, like, three people on ATVs came out of nowhere and were just like, hey, you're on the wrong trail. Like, just go down. So 15 minutes later, we get to the end of the trail. They're waiting for us. And they're just like, we wanted to make sure you guys found your way. And when you're done come get beers at our place. And we were all just like,
0: I've seen get out. I know how this sounds. Exactly,
2: We were all number one. We were all like, we're eight people of color in the woods. Like we've seen this movie. We're not going to do this. Um, but it really just kind of forced us to step outside of the city. And just for me personally, I was able to just be out there with nature and with people in a community that looked nothing like the Bronx. Um, so it was really nice. Kind of made me connect to with God on a level that I don't get to do uh, down
1: here in the city. So that was nice. Nice. As someone who drives ATVs and offers booze to people in the woods,
2: is is that normal? (laughs) Honestly, I was like, you know what? This guy's going to come out of nowhere in the woods and we can't call anyone because there's no Wi Fi up here. There's no service. Um, But no, it was just, it was a really beautiful experience. That's awesome. That was my consolation. All right.
1: I hope you get to go hiking again. (laughs) Max, I'll go hiking with you. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Time to. Wrap this up?
0: Let's wrap it up.
1: All right. Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit Formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Adult Supervision provided by Kerry Weber. Again, uh, Sam Sawyer is on retreat. (laughs) He, like Scaramucci,
0: was only on... In for like 10 days
1: <laughs> 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 Research help from Jack McCordick Anna Marchese and Emma Winters Our logo is by Sean Tripoli You can follow us on Twitter At Jesuitical Show And subscribe to Jesuitical on iTunes And leave us a review We had a very nice one from Neil Avery this week Who works at Cristo Rey Milwaukee Yeah,
0: as a JV there, so
1: yeah, and he said, in the summer, there's not a lot going on at the school. So, time great time to, to, to Jesuitical. binge on <laughs> <laughs> Jesuitical. We'll take it. And finally, send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at org.
0: And one final, this is our last week with our, with our interns, so...
1: No, really? What?
0: <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you, Ashley, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> <yeah>. they're gone. <laughs> oh. So, to jack anna and emma thank you so much for a great summer all the work you've done yeah you guys are uh, that was weird Uh, sorry (laughs) that is the sound of one hand clapping (laughs) (laughs)
2: sorry that's the maker's melt uh clapping
0: (laughs) anyway thank you guys you've been a big part of this so we appreciate you yeah
1: thank you for american media i'm ashley mckinless with zach davis and olga segura we will see you next week